This episode of Relativity is made possible through the support of Stephen and Catherine Farris, Ryan Farwell, Bill Cariola, Heather Van Waldick, and Michael W. McClure. And by listeners like you, who support us and get exclusive content through patreon.com slash relativity. My senses clearly show three people. I have their heartbeats and brain activity. Nadia, listen to me carefully. I saw the dead bodies in the sub-zero chamber at the center of the habitat. So they are not in that compartment, no matter what your sensors are telling you. I'm sorry, but I have not detected them in the habitat, but I do detect them here. So your perspective appears to be the one that is an error. I may not have told you, we have the audio journals that were recorded by the guy who, we think, caused all of this trouble in the first place. And today we're going to play back some of those recordings, and I am almost entirely certain that after all of these insane events, after all the mysteries, starting today, we are going to finally get some answers. Relativity, episode 35, in which two voices are silenced. Boss, we're just about to call you. I'm on my way in, Marcus. What's the situation there? We got Dr. Mason all the way down to engineering. Any problems with that? Um, we had, uh... I will hear all about them later, but you did get him through. We did. Then he got the environment suit and we led him back to the habitat. How long did all of it take? About four hours. The trip back went much more quickly than the trip down. I hope he's resting somewhere. He is. He told us that somebody had tied a hammock between two trees, not far from the lift to the core. He stretched out on it. Did he put the suit on already? He did. He says it was very comfortable lying there, even with the big suit on. I'm taking his word for it. What do his vital signs look like? Well, you know there's a lot of interference in the habitat, but his vital signs look pretty good. I'm pretty sure he's sound asleep. Alright. I don't suppose you've been able to get any rest yourself. Put my head down for a while. Well, pack your things, because when I get there, you're going home. I'm fine. The whole team is fine. You're all going home. The hurricane has changed direction, and it's going to hit us really hard. So I want you all home safely, and next shift, safely here. Then I'll stay here, too. Marcus, I have enough trouble getting Dr. Mason to follow orders. Don't start adding to my worries. No, no. You're the boss. It's just... You know, ordinarily. Yeah, I know. Ordinarily, I stay on the job all day, every day, and expect everyone else to do the same. Well, yeah. I can turn over a new leaf if I want to. Yes, of course. (laughs) Better believe it. See you soon. Oh. What a strange set of sensations. Uh, Nadia, can you hear me? I can always hear you, Doctor. I know, I just like to ask the question. Did you sleep well, I hope? I must have. I dreamed I was in a sleeping bag under the stars in the Tillamook State Forest. A favorite place from your past? That's right. And I wake up and I am not in a sleeping bag, but in this surprisingly comfortable environment suit. And it is dark, but I don't see any stars. The Habitat's nocturnal period began one hour and 36 minutes ago. Yeah, time for the raccoons and bats to come out and do their things. The owls and opossums. I know you are expected to return to the freezer core shortly. Would you like for me to turn on the illumination for the lift and ladder? I would indeed, yeah. And I wish, um... I wish there was someone physically present to help me get out of this 
<laughs> uh, getting out of a hammock is hard enough without being in a spacesuit. <laughs> okay, uh, is Marcus still on the line? He is in a private conference with the flight director. I expect her to resume the current operation shortly. Oh, so I woke up just in time. I am not sure she would have asked me to wake you, but it is perhaps just as well. Yeah, I, I don't want to go back into that freezer, Nadia. I know I'm all dressed up for it now, and we went to a lot of trouble to get ready for it, but my heart is just not in it. I know it must be very difficult for you to contemplate. What, stepping over the frozen bodies of 18 of my dearest friends? Yeah, that's, that's difficult. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but one of them, uh, Tanya Vasilik, she's standing right in the doorway, just inches from the hatch with her arms still reaching out for something. And so to get through the inner hatch, I'll probably have to move her. I'll have to pick her up and put her down again somewhere. And since I assume she wasn't chemically prepared for this in any way, it's likely all the water in her body has crystallized. So when I move her, she is probably going to break that some part of her body is just going to snap off like a tree branch i confess i am surprised that a medical doctor would be squeamish about handling human remains it's not about being squeamish nadia give me some credit dead bodies i can handle bodies of people i knew and cared about that no problem people who died in horrifying ways like being forced into a freezer where it's nearly absolute zero none of that is what's so awful about it. The, the nightmarish part is that a friend of mine did this. Do you, do, you, do you understand that? I believe I am coming closer to an understanding, not only of your feelings about this catastrophe, but also the feelings of the perpetrator. You're starting to understand why Peter did what he did? The recordings he made while wearing the environment suit reveal volumes concerning his emotional state and internal logic. The recordings I forgot. You have them all now, right? I have uploaded the entire contents of the suit recorder and have completed a cursory analysis. Oh, well, for God's sake, let me hear what you... Mission Control to Kolnichny. Sophia, hi. I wouldn't have disturbed you, but your life signs indicated you were awake and moving around. I am up after a few good hours of sleep and talking with Nadia about the uh, recordings from Peter's suit. I definitely want to hear them, but first we should get you into the core and have you report on everything you see there. No, ma'am. I am going to hear these recordings, Sophia, especially the very last one. I think you'll understand them much better after you've made a thorough examination of the freezer in the core. Um, don't you think I will better understand what I see in the core after I've heard the last recording? The one I presume Peter made while in the core? Doesn't that seem more likely? Marcus, as long as you're still here, what do you think we should do first? I have to go with the doctor. Yes. Yeah, I thought you might. All right, gentlemen, you win. I agree it does make sense that maybe the recordings will tell us something in the core that we should avoid or treat with special care. Computer, please play Peter Miblin's last recordings for us on Dr. Mason's implant and on the control channel 5. Playing. Environment suit recorder journal of Peter Miblin. Final entry. You're recording this? Yeah, I'm making a sort of memoir about one aspect of the mission. For future generations. Exactly. That's what I'm all about, so ask me anything. Nadia, pause it, please. Chris, is that Tanya Vasilik Peter is talking to? Correct, that's Tanya. She doesn't know it, but these are the last moments of her life. I thought so. Nadia, continue. So, here's what I'm wondering about. Some people's feelings have changed about various things since we left, since this mission began, and... uh, 
I figured as the human development person, you might know how many of our women are committed to becoming mothers at some point in this mission. I am certain of 11, but it's most likely all 12. Okay. And they are all still committed not only to having children during the voyage, but also to giving birth to as many children as possible when we reach the new world. And since you say 12, that must include you. Absolutely. I don't know why you're asking me all of this. We all know these things. They're part of the mission. Well, some people have changed over the last year or so. I think some have changed quite a lot. I meet and talk with the other women frequently, and nobody has expressed a change in their plans to fulfill this aspect of the mission. Some are now more eager to get started than others, but that's the only change I'm aware of. Well, but that's not really what I'm asking. I want to know about you, personally. Are you more interested in being inseminated from that big freezer up there, or carrying the child of some living, breathing man on this ship? Oh, okay. I'm sorry, Peter, I was being dense. If you're building up to asking me to be the mother of your child, I should tell you that my plan is to begin my pregnancies about halfway through the mission, and that's still five years. That's not what I was asking. All right, I just wanted to make sure. Not what I'm asking. I do know there are people who would like to have naturally conceived children along the way. Really? Well, just between you and me, Dr. Mason wants to have children with Captain Sedona. He told you that? I had to drag it out of him. And this is something she wants as well? Oh, I don't think she even knows about it. It's just sort of a daydream that Chris has. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. She's really not interested in pairing up with anyone on this mission, and Dr. Mason? No. Can we fast forward through this part? Chris is a great guy when you get to know him. I'm sure he is. Doesn't mean the captain will want to give birth to his babies. But just to be clear, I'm not getting pregnant with any other member of the crew either. Not even five years from now. No. Or ten or fifteen. This is all public knowledge, Peter. Everyone on board has access to it. I wanted to know if your feelings have changed. I don't understand why you think they would. Or why we had to walk out here to the core for us to talk about it. I'm trying to find out. Which of our women are looking forward to having these sperm cells implanted in them, into their their bodies? I think that's pretty much all of us, Peter. It is a primary goal for the entire mission and always has been. So you plan to do that? You plan to bring into life something from this frozen bank of carefully selected cells? You keep asking me that. Do you think my answer is going to change? I keep hoping it will. I, I, I hope for it with all my heart. Peter... Are you sure you're not just trying to get me to carry your baby? That's not it at all. The point is that, look, we're transplanting the human race. It's a tremendous responsibility to the future, and we have to make sure that these children, and the next generation, are all... that they're all the right kind of people. The right kind of people? Yes. What the hell does that mean? I'm talking about the opportunity to start over, to undo one of the biggest errors the human race ever made. Every time I go into that freezer and I I see all those rows and rows of little capsules... You've been in there? I have. What were you doing in there? I look. I I go inside and I look. That's why I'm wearing this environment suit. Why I'm still carrying this helmet. I was inside the freezer just about an hour ago. You have no business being in there. Just opening and closing the hatches? You could raise the temperature, didn't you know that? Just by... I'm going to check the gauges. They haven't changed. Temperature looks okay, but what are you doing? Taking the lift up to the ladder. Oh my god, get back down here! Come on, I need that lift too! 
Peter, stop! Just leave it alone, Peter. Nadia, override the manual lock on the core's inner hatch. All right, Peter, stop right there. I mean it. Do not open that hatch. Don't do it. Oh my god, what have you done? I'm sorry about this, Tanya. I truly am. But you'll have to go in with everyone else. Let go of me! Let me go! No! That's, that's enough, Nadia. End playback. Most of the rest of the recording is simply ambient sounds of the habitat. It would be, yeah. Well, now we know what happened. We know part of what happened. We know what happened to Tanya. And Peter. Maybe when we hear more of the recordings, we'll understand all of what happened. Yeah, we still don't know how all the rest of the people were killed. I guess I want to know that, but what I really want to know is... Why? Relativity, episode 35, in which two voices are silenced. Written, directed, and produced by Lee Shackelford. Featured in the cast were Alana Jordan, Clarence Brown, and Lee Shackelford. Sean Michael McCord was heard as Peter, and Marissa Hebson as Tanya. The part of central computer Nadia was played by herself. Find out much more about the series, including ways you can subscribe, hear past episodes, like us on social media, and how you can get exclusive content, all on our website at relativitypodcast.com. Relativity?